Hi, and welcome to the Crowdsourcing Sustainability Podcast. My name is Michaela. And I'm Ryan. And we're your co-hosts. This podcast exists to help inform, inspire, and empower people to take action on climate. We'll do this by bringing on wonderful sustainability leaders, listening to their stories, and exploring meaningful actions we can all take. Today, we are excited to share with you a popular webinar we hosted recently with Evan Hines on finding a job in sustainability. Hope you enjoy. So just briefly, what we're going to be talking about today is we have Evan Hines here. He's the founder of Climate Base, and he'll do a brief intro in a little bit, but super excited to be speaking with him. We're going to be talking about Climate Base how it's designed and structured, including why their partnership with Project Drawdown matters and helps make them unique, especially in kind of the the level of quality of jobs that we're looking at that really helps set them apart. We're also gonna dive into what I'm most excited about, which is Evan's advice on finding a job in sustainability and how the website can help with that. So yeah. Awesome, Uh, well, hi everyone, Uh, my name is Evan. I'm from Berkeley, California, originally. Uh, went to school down in uh, UC Santa Barbara. Uh, so Michaela, fellow, fellow UC uh, student, um, or alumni, I should say. Um, and uh, yeah, I, uh, I started Climate Base uh, because I, well, should, should I just dive in right now or? Yeah, I mean, this is why it's the perfect, the perfect segue. I'd love to hear like this origin story. Why did yeah. you decide to start it? And uh, just what sparked the idea initially and what made you actually pursue it? Because I know I have tons of ideas, but there's only some that you actually, you know, jump into. So like what made this different and special in your mind? Yeah. um, So basically I started this platform because I needed it myself. Um, I was basically my story is kind of started off my professional career, um, uh, in the corporate world, uh, doing enterprise technology sales, um, quickly realized uh, that I wasn't particularly interested in, in that kind of career path. And that for whatever, for me, like I was just looking for something that had a little bit more um, meaning uh, to it. Um, not, not to say that you can't derive meaning from selling great software and, you know, at the enterprise level. I mean, there's, it, for me, it was like, okay, well, I, I really need to like take a step back and think about what do I really care about. So um, I kind of bounced around. Um, I, I was did three years at an early stage startup uh, that had graduated Y Combinator, uh, and they're doing they're still doing really well. Um, and in, in that organization, I was basically helping um, students uh, uh, kind of like find their early career path. And uh, what I was seeing there is that a lot of students wanted to develop technical skills. Um, so that they could really have more of an impact. Um, so not, not just like what I was seeing is that a lot of students weren't just interested in, in uh, you know, learning how to code to make money, but they were actually learning, wanting to learn how to code to do something with those skills that could be really meaningful as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely resonated with that mission. Um, and uh, after three years at that startup, joined another small startup that was more political, politically focused, um, after my contract expired, I had also paid off my student loans. I took off, gosh, like a year and a half to travel. Um, and I will say that, you know, given what's going on now in the world, I'm, I am happy that I, I did take that time off when I did. Um, 
coming back from that experience, you know, I was really hungry to sink my, my teeth into something new. And I just didn't really know where to get started. I knew that I wanted to do something that was environmentally impactful. Uh, I was feeling like I, I had done things that weren't really focused on that before. And that was an area that was probably of most concern to me personally, um, especially after traveling and like seeing so many different cities around the world. Um, I mean, one notable experience was in Venice. Um, you know, I was, I was in Venice, Italy at a time when there was like some flooding and, um, it, you know, and, and literally being in a city that is sinking essentially, or, or rather not sinking, but rather sea levels rising, uh, yeah. and seeing that like, you know, just, just how, uh, real this is, um, you know, most people don't live up in the Arctic and we don't see um, glaciers, you know, uh, falling off into the ocean. So global warming is oftentimes, I think for a lot of us, very removed. But I had a number of experiences where like it kind of like resonated with me more personally, me being in these places that are being impacted. Um, of course, the wildfires too were, was, was also another, for those of you who are not from California, I'm, I'm referring specifically to the, the wildfires that we've had throughout California over the past couple of years. Um, and in late 2018 and you know, that, that summer, uh, we had a lot of <laughs> really huge, devastating wildfires. And so that was another, like, factor. And then I think what really drove me to, like, landing on climate change is the thing that I really want to focus in on was um, the IPCC report from COP24. Um, yep. You know, that was, that for me was not like a wake-up call, but really more of a call to action. I was already pretty tuned into, like, how bad things were. Um, but that was like, okay, like, you know, it, it was one of those, I mean, I, I hate to sound so cliche, but it's, it, it's true. Like it was, for me, the feeling was, you know, if not, if not now, when, and if not me, who, and, you know, yeah. just seeing that the world is, is so off track from where we need to be heading. Um, that was, that was the moment where I was like, okay, climate. But I, again, I just didn't know where to get started. So I was looking at like, you know, uh, green job boards, environmental job boards. And, and what I was seeing is that a lot of these platforms weren't really what I was looking for. Um, the main issue that I was seeing is that most job platforms generally run on keyword search. So if you go to Indeed right now, or you go to um, LinkedIn uh, and you type in climate change or climate, uh, you're going to pretty much exclusively find opportunities um, that have that keyword listed. But mm -hmm as I was learning more about climate change and I got introduced to organizations like Project Drawdown, it became apparent to me that a lot of the organizations that are actually leading the way on climate solutions, you know, they don't even brand themselves as such. They, um, or, or at least at the very least, their jobs oftentimes don't include climate in like the, um, in, you know, in the title of the job or the, or anywhere in the description. So yeah, totally dependent on that keyword. Yeah. So there's this like really, unfortunate disconnect that happens. Um, and, and that's just part of the limitations of, of keyword search. So Indeed and LinkedIn, they can do a lot of it, uh, but they can't do it all and they can't do it all really well. Um, and, and then again, I was looking at these other sort of green job platforms. What I was seeing was a lot of sustainability manager roles, but you know, the logos next to the job titles was like you know, BP and Exxon and sort of companies that like particularly, uh, well, like didn't really resonate with me as, as the polite way I'll, I'll say that. So. It, there was this like branding disconnect there as well too. Um, and, and then, you know, other platforms I felt like were like green, but like by whose definition, 
you know, like this kind of like ambiguous, like, you know, if it feels green, it is green. And I just felt like there's, there's, there had to be a better solution. And what started off as a spreadsheet that I was basically using where I was going to, um, like I was looking at portfolio companies, um, you know, from VCs, uh, um, climate tech investors that, you know, had an emphasis um, on, on climate solutions and as opposed to, as opposed to adaptation, because that's really more of my interest area. And, um, and, and I was basically just like building out a spreadsheet of like, well, who, which companies are doing what sort of climate solutions and who's hiring. Um, I felt like I, I skipped a key part of the story. So in this discovery process of like, what, how do I have an impact on climate with my skill sets? Um, I, I, I got introduced to Project Drawdown and that was like a really pivotal moment for me because um, I was sitting in my friend's uh, trailer up on his like farm um, and he literally hands me this book and it says like Drawdown across it. <laughs> He's like, you should take a look at this. And I'm like, well, what is this? And I'm like flipping through and obviously the subtitle really stood out to me. The 100, I think it's the 100 most impactful solutions um, to climate change, so something I'm, I'm yeah. um, but but I'm like flipping through the pages of this book, reading about these different climate solutions, and immediately my question was just, you know, who who's working on these solutions and who's hiring? Um, so yeah, so that's like where that spreadsheet sort of came from, and then that spreadsheet turned into a career fair that we did a little over a year ago in San Francisco. Uh, we called it the Climate Career Fair, fittingly. Um, we, it was me, my brother, uh, my friend, Julie, and a couple other folks that, you know, we were all just helping out volunteering to make this thing happen. We, we thought we would be lucky if like 200 people showed up. Uh, we had like 700 people RSVP. It ended up being really uncomfortably packed actually. Wow. Um, the kind of situation now where, you know, it, it, like the health department and the, would have like, you know, in, in these days in the post COVID world would have like entered and immediately like shut the whole thing down. It was like uncomfortably packed, but you know, a good problem to have for a first time event organizer. And the recognition um, uh, that so many people wanted to come to this, like we had people driving up from San Diego to San Francisco to attend this event, which like for those of you who don't know is like a 10 hour drive or something. Like we were just like, okay, people really want climate jobs. And how do we take this in-person experience and scale it so that instead of, reaching only a couple hundred people in a day, we can reach thousands of people every day from all around the world. And, you know, really broad, like, like how do we do this at scale is, is basically the question. So, you know, a job board is kind of the obvious answer to that question. Um, and, and a couple months later, we put up a really ugly, kind of like a placeholder version of the website. Um, kind of like didn't even tell people to go to it because we just knew it wasn't like, it wasn't like there. Um, uh, but in December, we, uh, late December, we kind of like started really putting ourselves out there uh, in select climate focused, um, like community groups online. And uh, yeah, and since then, it's, it's kind of like just grown organically. I mean, as an organization, we're, we're still unfunded, um, you know, kind of gearing up to think like, what is the bigger picture of where, or where this go, could go, because it could go in many different directions. Um, we have some exciting ideas that we're, we're iterating on right now. Um, 
Meanwhile, our platform is growing organically. Like I think we just passed 11,500 monthly active users. And I think wow. today, today, I think we've had um, just under 100,000 people like visit our website. Um, That's so, amazing. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, look, it's my biggest piece of advice, like right now, if you want a job in climate or sustainability is don't start a climate jobs board. It's a very challenging thing to do. <laughs> but, but, you know, I figured someone had to do it. So that's what we're focusing on. And, and you know, we're, we're hoping that we can make this thing work. Um, I mean, yeah. so far it's working, but, you know, the, the, the money piece is, is always the challenge. So I, I think you'll get there. It's definitely providing a ton of value. Um, just anecdotally real quick, you know, I've, I've perused this several times. I direct people to this when they ask about getting a job in climate. I'm like, this is the best resource I know of. Um, yeah. Uh, well deserved <laughs> but um so i have some interns who are about to go back to school uh in the coming weeks and so i just posted yesterday because i was like doing that we're having evan on i need this anyway like i should check it out for like from the organizational standpoint not a job seeker necessarily but i posted it about 24 hours ago the position and I already have two people reaching out Nice. So just anecdotally, there's definitely a lot of traction. Um, and I'm excited to see uh, how this is useful for, for both parties, the, mm -hmm. the climate orgs who need help and all these job seekers who want to do something more impactful with their work. Um, I'd love to, to dive into this drawdown partnership sure. a bit more and, and just hear what that partnership looks like, how it informed the design and structure of climate base and, and just your thinking overall. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you know, I, I would say it's, um, it's, it's more of a, uh, the, the, our partnership is more of a, I think a sort of a, a nod of the, what is it? The tip, the tip of the cap, not of the cap. <laughs> it's, it's still, it's still early morning for me over here. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's really more of a symbolic sort of partnership. It's, it's them. It's, it's us saying, Hey, like we were entirely inspired to start this thing and building a whole framework matching organizations, to climate solutions and sectors, you know, like this was inspired and really, um, formed uh, heavily by the research that Project Drawdown has done in their, pub in their uh, publication of that research. Um, and so we were, you know, like, we were like huge, huge fans of Project Drawdown. I mean, they, their work is what helped us even start this thing. So um, them saying, hey, like, let's make it official and putting it on their website that we're a partner of theirs. I think, it, I mean, more than anything, it's, it's them just recognizing that, like, we're taking their research and applying it to something that is uh, providing real value towards, um, you know, uh, individual people. Um, I think most people interact with their research and like, you know, they, they have the book and it sits on their coffee, you know, um, table and, you know, it's inspiring and it motivates them to take action. But then how do they actually take that action? I think is the next question that a lot of people, right. like, how do we take all this knowledge and apply it in, in not just like policy and at industry and, and, um, but like, how do I as an individual take climate action knowing this information? And so, you know, we're, we're focusing on one of those things, which is like, well, we, you can get a job and, 
And we're going to help you find jobs in organizations that are working on climate solutions, leveraging the, the drawdown research. Gotcha. Could you, could you explain the term greenwashing and how drawdown combats that? You know, since they are dedicated to making sure that these the organizations they work with are actually green and not greenwashings. Yeah. Um, so greenwashing is basically when an organization um, uh, brands themselves in a way that uh, tells a story about how they how sustainable or you know green they are um, when really they are not. As you know, they're they're not what they're saying they are. Um, so. I, you know, I think there's there's no uh, clear definition on uh, what is and what isn't greenwashing. Uh, it's I think it's more of like a you know a personal perspective. Um, but like broadly speaking, that that is what greenwashing is: is when an organization says, "Hey, you know, we're we're fighting climate change," um, but then meanwhile, like they're selling their software to an oil company so that they can extract more oil more efficiently and and make more money doing that. So, um, yeah, sorry. That's, is, is that, does that summarize the? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So it's, it's really reassuring knowing that you're working with a partnership that ensures that these organizations aren't, you know, are actually helping the environment in a positive way. Mm. Yeah. I mean, and that's really why I felt like it was so important for, for me as a job seeker to go about it this way. Again, like the whole, website stem from just like, I needed this for myself. So, um, you know, uh, that's, that's how I was getting around the greenwashing challenge because there's a lot of organizations out there that say they're doing this and say that they're doing that. Um, you know, I think consumer product companies are, are the best at this. They, uh, they, or, or the worst, depending on how you're looking at, but you know, they, they, they're really effective. They recognize that consumers and job seekers even care about how sustainable they are. And so they, they uh, qualitatively tried to prove that. Um, you know, one of the things we're thinking about, like looking forward at, of what climate base could be in the future is like, well, well, how do we come up with a better metric that could be applied to any kind of organization and saying, hey, even if you're not climate focused, you have an opportunity to be more climate positive. Um, and, you know, you know, will we be the glass door for sustainability? Like, Maybe that's one of the direction directions we're going in right now, but you know, without a really solid framework and a way of collecting really strong data on all of that, um, the, one of the easiest things we can do right now to direct talent towards organizations that are um, not greenwashing is by looking more at like, well, what is the organization actually doing? For instance, like if an organization is working on coming up with a uh, novel uh, refrigerant alternative. Um, you know, something that would replace uh, HFCs. Um, well, like, you know, we have pretty strong reason to believe that as a, as a organization that they are working on something that is a climate solution. Now, like, do we know exactly how effective they are at like scaling these solutions and like what their actual real world impact is? I mean, sometimes you just don't know that. And that's because, you know, some of these organizations we support are like so early that they have like, a prototype where they have a couple customers and they're just getting started. But I think for, for that reason, it's even more important that we channel more talent towards these organizations that are working on uh, novel solutions or scaling existing solutions uh, using, you know, novel business models because we need to, well, because we need to scale these solutions. Like we have to, we have to 
we have to like have smart people working at these organizations uh, so that these organizations can succeed. So we look at really like the mission level, uh, the, the technology, like the product level, like what, how does the organization make their money or if they're a nonprofit, what are they actually focused on? And, you know, we, we basically say, well, that, that alone is pretty good information to be able to say whether or not they are focused on climate solutions. Yeah, I think that's a really uh, smart way to go about it with the amount of info available. And going back to Drawdown, I was also thrilled when that book came out and just really opened my eyes to how many existing solutions there are today. Like the technology is there, we just have to deploy it and scale that up, as you said. And I look at that as like this is kind of a roadmap to the future of the economy. Once more and more people start to realize the urgency of this crisis, uh, what is valued in society is going to shift more and more towards these sustainable solutions. Um, so I'm just super excited that this exists. And uh, like you said, there's definitely a lot of different directions you could take it, but I think it's a fantastic, fantastic. Well, thanks. Uh, yeah. I appreciate that. I mean, you know, um, yeah, I, I think one of the one of the most exciting opportunities in the world of climate solutions and um, and sort of the role that organizations, businesses have to play is not just in terms of like scaling or, or like coming up with like new solutions, but actually just coming up with uh, innovative business models that allow mm-hmm. like existing solutions to scale more more effectively. Uh, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, like the most important thing that we need is policy because policy done correctly will create market pressures for organizations to decarbonize. Um, and then, you know, whatever they can't decarbonize, um, you know, we need like, we need to like raise the bar on what it means for an organization to be uh, climate impactful, climate friendly, uh, climate. Yeah. Friendly. Um, there's, there's attempts being done right now by organizations to like, um, well, yeah, I won't get into that, but, but basically like the ultimate win is always going to be policy, I think, uh, because that's how we create the, like, that's like, that's like how you create a fertile ground for those new business opportunities, um, or rather those new business models, um, those new climate solutions to like really explode. And like, honestly, a, a lot of what we need to do is just put a ton more funding, um, you know, towards climate solutions research too. I mean, like yeah. the fact that there's only like a couple million dollars in government grants going towards, um, you know, carbon removal technologies is, is concerning. I mean, it should be in the billions. Um, and that's, you know, it's not happening right now. Yeah, definitely tons of areas uh, to improve on. I'd like to pivot real quick to kind of the, the meat of this, which is what advice do you have for people who are in the midst of this search right now or are starting to think about it more and more? Like what, is, what are kind of the top few points that you would advise people think through and any actions they can take? Yeah, um, I, I would say, I mean, if, if you're like, whether, you're, whether you are early in your career or, um, okay, well, hold on, let me, let me preface this answer with, I come from a startup background, like technology startup world. So my perspective on this is heavily influenced by the fact that like the organizations that I see that are doing really innovative stuff um, are 
I mean, basically, like, I'm, I'm speaking in, in largely from my own perspective. So if I were to go back in time and climate-based already existed as a resource and I was a job seeker, I would do a couple things. I would get more involved in, um, in grassroots campaigns um, because for organizations that are in this space, like, they do care, of course, about mission fit. It's one of the things that, it's one of the reasons why people come to our platform, like companies come to our platform to hire because they know that it's not just about having the right skills. It's also about, like, you have to, like, have the fortitude of, like, pushing through because like, you know, working any job, especially startups is, is tiring and challenging. And, um, you know, the, the, the most important work uh, in the world to do is usually not the easiest work either. So uh, you have to be mission driven. And I think getting involved in grassroots campaigns in your, in your area is one of the best ways that you can sort of showcase that. Um, it's also going to be a, a great way to connect with other people who are already in this space and are already sort of of the same mindset. So get involved in like local campaigns. I mean, we have, you know, in the United States, we have an election happening right now. Um, there's a ton of amazing stuff happening uh, to kind of like corral all the different areas of like clean energy and climate activism and like coming together basically to defeat Donald Trump, uh, which I see as like being one of the biggest roadblocks um, towards any meaningful climate action. Um, so that's like a big one. Uh, get some quantitative skills under your belt too. Like I don't, say, I don't, I'm not saying like everyone needs to learn how to code or like format data. And I just think that it's a helpful skill to have, and it's always going to set you apart from your your fellow applicants if you're applying for a non-technical position. Like having just a little bit of that goes a really long way. Um, so like you know, if you have the time to pick up some quantitative skills, um, even design skills, honestly, is, are, are very important as well these days, like, do that. Um, yeah. yeah, like, and, and again, like, I, I'm saying that these are like good things to have, they're nice to have, but they're not need to haves. And so like, my message is not like, go learn how to code. It's like, you know, it doesn't hurt. And if you want to do that, then great, you should do that. Um, but you, you definitely don't need to. Yeah, find, find your superpower and build on it, figure out how to apply it to yeah. uh, make it valuable. Um, familiarize yourself with the climate landscape. Um, I think one of the best ways to do that is like, I mean, you know, shameless plug here, but like go to our platform, click organizations and just start browsing and seeing like, you know, who's working on what kind of solutions and what sectors. I think like, okay, okay. One final like thought is like, our logo at Climate Base is, you'll notice it's like, some people have said, told me it like looks like, like a weird hybrid of like the Slack logo and like the Microsoft logo. Some people have told me that it looks like a weird rainbow Celtic symbol. Um, but what it actually stems from is the concept of the Japanese concept, Ikigai. Um, that's a I-K-I-G-A-I, if you want to look it up. Uh, Ikigai is basically the concept of, um, I mean, it most directly translates to like your purpose or your reason for waking up in the morning. Um, it's like your life meaning kind of concept. Um, it, it's the intersection of four key areas. So the first area is what are you good at? Uh, so like what skills do you have? Um, and you know, like getting some quantitative skills, like that's always a good mix to that piece, right? Then the other part is like, what do you like doing? Um, so that could be like, you know, maybe what do you, what do you care about? What do you enjoy? Um, but like what sort of work gives you a sense of like happiness also. So not just what are you good at, but like what also like makes you happy. Um, the third piece is uh, what can you get paid to do? And I think like in traditional Western sort of like job seeking advice, 
it's usually combined to, confined to those three areas. So it's like, what are you good at? What do you like doing? And what can you get paid? Like, what can you get paid to do? But the, but the, but the fourth, I think is the most important, especially at this time in history, which is like, what does the world need? Mm -hmm. So what does the world need? What can you get paid to do? What do you like doing? What are you good at? And if you combine, if you can like hone in on something that hits all four of those things, then you, you've achieved finding your ikigai or one of your ikigais. Um, I think it's really important to think about these things in, in a particular order. So what I tell people is like, start with, you know, there's this expression, start with the why. I would say that most directly translates to that fourth piece. What does the world need? So if you start there and you say, what are the big challenges in the world? Okay, great. Now you like at least have, you've checked off one of those big four checkboxes. And then like from there you can say, well, what do you like doing and what are you good at? And you probably know that better than anyone else. Um, and then the fourth piece is what can you get paid to do? And so when you figured out what does the world need, when you figured out what your skills are and what you like doing, then you can come to a platform like climate base, you know, assuming the, the fourth piece, the why is, is like, you know, planetary health. And you can come to our platform and find opportunities where you can actually get paid to leverage your skills and leverage your interests. So, um, yeah, so that, that's, that's my advice, you know, start with why. Um, and if that why for you is the environment, uh, the climate, planetary health, life on earth, um, hopefully climate based can be a great resource for you. So I just wanted to share a little personal anecdote of what my experience searching for jobs and internships. So this past, at the start of the year, I was looking for a summer internship in sustainability. And I noticed the exact same issues that you were mentioning, where looking on LinkedIn, there was a lot of sustainability jobs, but they were looking for an engineer or a manager or something that wasn't really sustainability. Um, and I just, I really struggled to find, you know, an internship that really matched what I wanted to do. Um, so I noticed looking through your website, there's a lot of different, um, there's a lot of different categories uh, within jobs. So you can really hone in to what category you want, whether it's like the food industry or if it's conservation or it's just really amazing what you have set up here. And there, there's a lot of resources for students. Thank you. I mean, that's awesome. You know, something else we've thought about is like our job seekers. Oh, okay. So first of all, because I've seen some questions and, and you're bringing it up, like the experience of using our platform, we're, we're constantly evolving. Like there's so many things that we want to add and change. Um, so like rest assured, if you've, if you're using our platform and you're thinking like, wow, like this could be different, this could be better. Um, just, just know that it, it, we're, we're working. Um, it's, <laughs> It's, it's a process. Um, but yeah, like, you know, um, I, I think that making sure that we're getting even more internships on there, especially right now, like as, you know, the job market, quite frankly, is, is not so uh, hot. And um, there's a lot of students who are like scrambling and figure out their summer plans, their, their you know, their fall plans if they're taking a gap year, um, which also I recommend, by the way, if there's any students out there and you're like, damn, I don't know if I want to do all my classes online next year. Honestly, like my recommendation is like, don't take the gap year, work on something, work on a project, you know, go internship, go intern somewhere for free, like your, your dream organization. Like, just, just take that time because, because honestly, like, I, I don't know if, if it's entirely worth it right now to, to like 
do all, like a whole year's worth of college class online. That's, you know, this is my, sorry if there's any parents that are watching this, they're like college students who are like cringing at what I'm saying right now, but like, I, I'm a big believer in gap years. I think it's important to take one and, and now is the perfect time. Um, but like we, we, you know, regardless, we, we definitely want to like do more of an, of an emphasis on helping early job seekers get their foot in the door at organizations through internships and entry level positions. I would uh, kind of building off the job market right now, it is obviously bad and what's happening is, is terrible. Um, but I mean, November is going to be huge with the US election in particular. And, and I know I've seen plans coming out from around the world, but Biden, for those who don't know, has actually come out with a fairly strong climate plan, which surprised me at how much more ambitious it is than what he was originally talking about. Uh, and he's talking about putting 10 million jobs out there on climate stuff um, and dumping $2 trillion into this over the next four years if he wins and even creating this civilian climate corpse. So I think uh, in the rest of the world, like the EU has a green deal um, there's, there's countries all over the world who are really starting to at least think about, if not act on, this economic recovery that's centered in climate action and at its best justice as well. So uh, just, just building on that, I do think that this space is only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So I think everyone here is in a good spot. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts have been kind of building on that on any trends that you're seeing within the climate jobs space uh specifically you know you have it all broken down by these drawdown solutions are there any that kind of stick out to you or anything of noteworthy right now um i mean again like quantitative skills i i i, I know that you know <sighs> I know that's like frustrating to hear if you like don't have like super relevant modern quantitative skills uh, right now, um, but they're important uh, and you should get them. Um, <laughs> uh, I think that, um, you know, so like, I mean, one of the trends that we're seeing is like, well, every, every organization these days basically needs, like every organization at the very least has a web presence. Most organizations, provide some interactivity with what they do online. And a lot of the organizations in our platform are also technology organizations, and some, some of which are uh, software-focused organizations. So, um, you know, and why, why are, it's not, in my opinion, from an impact perspective, at a, thinking at a personal level, it's not just about um, like, oh, well, these, this is the skill that's hot right now, so I need to get it. Uh, I would challenge folks to consider like learning, uh, quantitative skills um, being, it allows you to scale your own personal impact um, exponentially. Uh, because, you know, if you're able to automate a process uh, within your organization doing some nifty stuff, um, well, now you've like created a huge cost savings and probably driven a ton of value. Uh, and you've probably made yourself indispensable as a result of that. It's, I think it's important, uh, like we, ha we have, we're basically like facing this, uh, exponential exponentially this exponential challenge right like like we mm -hmm. have to like reverse um warming and uh heating i should say and um 
And that's going to require exponential skills to like combat that. Um, so think about what you can do uh, um, in your own skill set uh, to enable yourself to have exponential impact um, in, in the face of this uh, you know, exponential challenge uh, called, called the climate crisis. So that's one thing I see. But, but again, like I, my, my big thing for people is like, it's not like you need like one skill set to like have a climate career. It's like, no matter what your skill set is, whether you're a, an accountant or a lawyer, like there's always a way of leveraging your existing skills and your professional background, or even just your interests if you're new to the job market and, and finding an organization where, you know, you, uh, where your skill sets are going to be valuable in the context of a job. So, you know, like, I don't, I don't think everyone needs to be a climate scientist to have a really climate impactful career. Um, so, you know, take what I said about, about, uh, you know, learning quantitative skills, like take that with a grain of salt because like, you know, like, yeah, it's good to have, but you don't need it. And that's part of the reason we exist as a platform is to let people know it's like, you know, you don't need to be a software engineer or a mechanical engineer or a chemical engineer. You don't need to be a climate scientist or researcher or reporter. Like there are so many avenues in which you can get involved and really have a strong impact. Yeah, that, that resonates deeply with me. Um, so I, I always like to, to say that no matter who you are or where you're from, you have a unique skill set and relationships and experiences and ideas, and we're going to need it. Like everyone has a role to play in this huge transition of society that we, we need to, to make happen. Yeah, like just the other day, you know, I, I was talking to an employer and uh, she's, um, she's based out of LA. She just got funding. Um, so she's, she's working on environmental consulting right now, but she wants to start a, a carbon negative furniture company. Um, they're basically taking uh, biomass from the hemp industry, uh, cannabis, um, and like taking all of these like, you know, unusable pieces um, and I guess like pressing them down and turning them into like really sturdy furniture. Um, I, I, I have to learn more about what she's doing, but, but what she's doing sounds really awesome. Um, and like looking at her advisors that are on board, like it's pretty reputable people. So like, I can only assume it's legit. And um, like she's hiring for like a, a furniture product designer. I mean that most people don't think of like, being a furniture designer as like a climate career, but it can be. And that's kind of the point of why we exist is like to say, you know, anyone can, can find a way of doing this. Um, we, we exist to make that process easier. Love that. Um, okay. Wrapping up. Are there any other specific resources or books you'd recommend people read as they go through this process of thinking through uh, either the transition to sustainability or like the students who are still trying to figure out where they fit within this big umbrella of opportunities um, just to help people, you know, transition and think this through. Um, you know, I would say it really depends on sort of what your, your, your skill sets are, but like just here, let me pull up my audible account and I'll just tell you the climate books that I've been uh, reading, listening to. <laughs> Love it because I don't read apparently. Um, okay, so this is what I've been jamming out on recently. Um, okay, well, this is unrelated to climate kind of, but like I'm very, I just started the, the, the Too Much and Never Enough book about Donald Trump by uh, Mary Trump. 
um, super fascinating, not entirely related, but kind of related. Um, also, I am reading uh, Uninhabitable Earth at the moment. I'm like halfway through with that. Super depressing, very scary. Um, and I try to balance out like the scary content that I consume, uh, which is I think is important. Like we can't turn a blind eye. Like I think it's important to listen to uh, the alarms going off. Um, but I try to balance it out with like things that are a little bit more inspiring. So um, yeah, so like that one and uh, an On Fire by Naomi Klein. Uh, that's another one. Um, sort of in the realm of like kind of scary. Um, but the one that I have like that really uh, kind of like helps keep me calm and, and like feeling optimistic um, and like kind of looking uh, more internally about like what I can do in my own life as an individual is, is A Climate, A New Story by Charles Eisenstein. Um, like that was one of the first books. That book and Project Drawdown, like those two together, that's what like really got me on the climate sort of kick. Um, and they're both fantastic because they both provide a sense of optimism and hope, uh, and sort of like tangible solutions. You know, Drawdown is looking entirely scientifically at like solutions and Eisenstein is definitely, you know, uh, you know, he like, you know, he's, he's a little bit more out there. Um, but, but still provides, I think, a, a solid sense of like, um, I mean, a very different perspective, very, very different perspective, but like, uh, to me, at least on a personal note, like, gave me a, a sense of like um, agency, like, and also thinking that like another way that we can all be a part of this, of tackling the climate challenge is um, by working on how we can change our culture uh, so that, you know, because like, I think, I think a lot of our, our challenges right now are cultural challenges, um, you know, and we've essentially become completely divorced of nature. Like most of us experience life through the built environment. Uh, you know, most of us probably listening to this, like haven't actually had like dirt in their toenails in a really long time. So, um, you know, I, I, th I just think it's important to like expose yourself to a lot of different like resources out there um, and, and broadly and, and, and like, aside from like the content and books and stuff, like um, just, just go get out in nature. Cause I think that's like so important. Um, just like get, you know, get, get dirt on your face. <laughs> Reconnecting, love it. Amazing yeah. advice. Um, amazing right. advice. Get dirt on your face. That's going to be like the big takeaway that people <laughs> from this. Awesome. I'm going back to what's coming in the works, at least hopefully in the U.S. Is this like climate corpse um, organization? Hopefully, and there's a lot of restoration and conservation, hands-on outdoor projects that people may be interested in. So you could start to look at companies working in that space right now if, if you're intrigued in a different angle of this, if you wanna get some dirt under your nails, as we said earlier. Um, but yeah, that's just, that's, I think there's a lot of different angles uh, that you can take and build on your existing skill sets and strengths and interests um, and apply those. And you, you can always find a way to apply it. All right, so one of the questions I saw from earlier was asking if this is US-based only or if it also includes other part of the world, and they're asking from the UK. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're heavily focused on the US right now, um, and that's only because it's just me and my brother and, uh, and our friend Justin, uh, and like we're super small, and um, 
but we, we really want to focus on other areas of the world as well. Um, a lot of the organizations, uh, I mean, and this is like true, I think, for tons of organizations out there, um, not just climate ones, but like because of COVID, I think it's creating a lot more flexibility in the job market where like you don't necessarily need to be from a specific area to work at a company that's based in that area. So, um, you know, you, you'll notice that a lot of the positions on our platform are remote. Um, awesome. Well, Evan, just want to thank you and thank everyone for coming. I just want to end it with, with Evan, where can people find you? And is there any final asks you have of everyone or advice or how can people help you out in growing climate based this awesome resource? Um, I mean, connect with me on, uh, on, on Twitter. I'm like new on Twitter. So like, come be my friend. It's very lonely when you, <laughs> um, uh, find me on LinkedIn. I, I don't really use LinkedIn too often to be honest. So like, but you know, send me a connection. Um, if you're interested in like what we're doing and like, you want to help, I mean, there's so much going on and we, there's more work than we have to like that we can actually execute on it by ourselves with our team right now. We're, in, we're entire, like no one's getting paid. Um, I mean, we're, we're generating revenue. So I want to be transparent about that. Like we, we do since, since like we experimented with, with monetization in like early May, we've like, we've gotten to the point of like hitting around like 30,000 dollars um is what we project for the year in, in reoccurring revenue and so you know we're going to be trying to ramp that up a lot more but but for right now no one is getting paid we are just trying to cover our costs and stack a little bit of money in the bank for a rainy day um so if you are interested in getting involved at our organization i mean anything from like if you're an intern uh if you are a more technical person you want to help with a product um if you are, uh, if you're interested in like helping us with like our newsletters or our media or, or whatever it might be, like definitely like let us know. Um, we actually have a job post. Let me let me pull it up right here, and I'll drop a link to it in the chat. Um, we do have a job post. Uh, it's very generic, um, so we kind of kept it that way on purpose because we kind of want people to just like let us know what they can help us with. Um, if you apply to this job post like a month ago, my apologies. Like we haven't had time to actually go through all of the applicants, but, um, but just know like we will, and we really need to. Uh, so here, here's the link to that. If you're interested in like getting involved, that'd be awesome. Um, yeah, just like sign up. Another thing I want to mention, it's not related to like connecting with me, but, um, and we, we got to do a better job of talking about this on our platform, but we do have a, like a database of, well, it's more of like an index, uh, a directory of talent and, and candidate profiles. So there's about like a couple thousand people in there right now. Uh, we are rolling this out to uh, employers. So employers can like basically get access to this and then like search through and, and find candidates and look at your profile. And you know, if they, they like what they see, then they'll reach out to you. So I would really recommend like, if, you're, if you go to climatebase.org, um, click the community tab. It'll give you an opportunity of creating, creating an account. Uh, select the job seeker account and like create a profile, upload a resume. Uh, we turn that into like a digital version of your resume and we, you know, give a profile. Um, do that because then you'll be visible to employers that are searching through that. And also we'll potentially be opening up these profiles in the future so that like 
you all can connect with each other too. So anyway, I would recommend creating a profile uh, if, if you want to get discovered by the employers on our platform. Love it. Awesome. Well, thank you again, everybody. Uh, Evan, especially, thank you so much for joining us. This was a wonderful conversation. I hope, hope folks got a lot out of it. So thanks again. Hope everyone has an awesome day. Yeah, and, and I just want to say uh, my sincere appreciation for, uh, for you know, what, what you're doing, Michaela and, and Ryan, for organizing. I mean, this is, uh, this is, this is awesome. I'm, I'm so happy that you wanted me to come on and talk about this. Um, and thank you all for hanging out with us for over an hour now. Um, you know, I, I wish we could actually hang out, um, but this will happen. <laughs> so, so thank you. Well, I'll get together sometime hopefully when this, when this ends. Yeah. Sorry, one final thing. If you like what we're doing at Climate Base, like the biggest thing that you can do to help us, because like we, we need help, we're, we're growing, and the more people that use our platform, the more valuable our platform is. So the way that we get more people getting climate positive jobs is more people using our platform. So the number one thing that you can do to help us is literally just share us, with your friends, make a post about us on Facebook that like, I swear that goes so far. It's so important. Uh, if you're on Twitter, post there too. Why not? Instagram. I don't know. Like what are the kids into? TikTok? Is that banned? <laughs> but like, yeah, like, you know, TikTok about us. I don't, I don't know. Is there another terminology for these things yet? But, but like, seriously, like please share us with your friends because that's the most important thing you can do for us. And you know, for all like, who knows, like maybe, maybe you'll help get someone a job that is climate impactful. And, and I think that's you know, really what the world needs right now. So that is a fantastic note to end on. <laughs> all right. Thank you all again. Hope everyone has a wonderful day. Take care. Bye, everyone. Thanks, everyone. So that is the end of our show. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this conversation, you may also appreciate signing up for the crowdsourcing sustainability newsletter that I write most weeks. This will also give you access to our CS Slack community. And there's a link to that in the show notes, along with several other links we referred to today. Lastly, please do consider giving us a review to help us grow this community and get this information out to more people. We would really, really appreciate that. And I think that is all we've got for you today. So thank you again. Take care. And we'll talk to you soon.